Um, speaking of insufferable, I had a dream last night that, um, let's keep going. I mean, I think there's still something there, but I might have to finish it up later. <laughs> got it. Got it. So we'll, uh, put a pin in that one. Put let's a pin ear in more. That. I wish you could ear, like dog, dog ear. ear. Joke. Yeah. Uh-huh. M marker one. Marker. I mean, I guess technically if we really wanted to get elaborate with the editing, we really could like, you could make a note to like re-record <laughs> like some bit. Hey Bennett, um, we got a few things to say. We took a little fucking hiatus because of some recent events, and we didn't feel that it was. Uh, I don't think I didn't feel comfortable just kind of spouting off about uh, movies uh, uh-huh. by white guys. I don't think anybody wanted that, and not and I didn't want it either. Uh, yeah. Um... Hey, I'm not here because I want to be here. No, I mean we've talked about before this being kind of a court ordered thing. Um, I think we're several hundred episodes probably several years from yeah uh even seeing the light at the end of that tunnel um but no still even then uh it didn't really feel appropriate to be recording over the last several weeks nor did either of us really feel like uh we had the energy or the inclination to be on podcasts uh i don't know joking around about like smoking weed and like beating off and <laughs> cinema sins uh mm-hmm We've both uh, had more important things to be doing, and there's been a lot more important conversations being had, and uh, they're, they're still being had across the country. So I uh, just had like a, a statement prepared that I wanted to read. Please, Bennett. Uh, to sort of let everybody know where Real Rap stands. Uh, hey, Real Heads. Real Rap stands with uh, Black Lives Matter and all movements that are working to root out systemic racism at the national, state, and local levels. The recent murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor are just two uh, reminders that our criminal justice system was designed to subjugate and ultimately eliminate people of color. Uh, Reform and internal investigations uh, are not enough. Um, Austin, Philadelphia, and dozens of cities across the globe have protested over the last several weeks, and police forces have, by and large, responded the only way we could have expected them to. Um, You know, despite the presence of cameras, they've chosen to instigate and to incite violence with military force. Um, they've chose to stand behind racist vigilantes and crack down, uh, often in uh, dubiously legal ways. That's faced with even the most peaceful resistance. Um, you know, one of the reasons we didn't record the last several weeks is because we're obviously not in a position to be holding court on subjects like these or really offering guidance throughout situations like these ones. Um, certainly not our place to tell anyone um, what the right way to protest is or the uh, right way to properly support these movements. I, I, I think Shane and I both, however, feel empowered with the, the platform we've been given and, and our position to um, remind people that there's definitely a wrong way to respond to what's going on. So uh, if you can hear us, um, you should remember that going online or getting out of your house to argue for the importance of store shelves and statues is really no different than posting about how little human life means or shouting that from your rooftop. Wh- whether or not you think you're a racist, uh, you're unbelievably cocked and not in a fun way like Shane or I. Um, if you have the means, uh, please consider donating to organizations that attack systemic racism in the criminal justice system and everywhere else. Um, These include, but certainly are not limited to, uh, national and local chapters of Black Lives Matter, national, state, and city bail funds like the Bail Project and the Philadelphia Community Bail Fund, Communities United Against Police Brutality, uh, Fair Fight, uh, national and local chapters of the NAACP, Black and Brown Founders, uh, and the Community Justice Action Fund. Uh, We'll link these on Split Tooth. I would also direct listeners to the uh, Split Tooth um, statement on uh, recent events. Provide a lot of useful links there for uh, ways you can help out both in your community and at the uh, national level. Whether or not you can afford to make a donation, take time to consider how you can otherwise elevate black perspectives and amplify black voices. There are a lot of intense, uncomfortable, overdue, and altogether necessary conversations to come. And uh, without shouting over more vital voices or uh, talking to hear ourselves talk, uh, it's on all of us, uh, Shane and myself included, to ensure that those conversations continue even after the media coverage inevitably stops and uh, even in the event of a favorable election in November. Things aren't going to change if the momentum stops, if these conversations stop. This episode of Real Rap focuses on a film that uh, I I really, really love, a film from an underappreciated uh, black artist, William Greaves, I once, you've probably heard me talk about it on the podcast before, I once made the mistake of um, saying it was my favorite film in a job interview and trying to explain what it was about. Um, we don't get too into 
um, current events on the episode, choosing instead to kind of focus on the film and, and William Graves' career. It's, uh, it's free for everybody on uh, Criterion Channel right now. I would highly recommend checking it out. It's an hour and like 15 minutes of your time for what, for my money, is maybe the best movie ever made. Uh, there's also a great uh, documentary available through the Criterion Channel. I mean, I say great. Great in the sense of being like useful for context. It's not a great piece of filmmaking or anything. There's a great documentary, I believe it's uh, Discovering William Greaves, which you can find on YouTube and on the Criterion Channel, uh, featuring mm-hmm. the, the great Scott McDonald. Uh, a lot of interviews with Greaves himself uh, and collaborators. Should give you a sense of kind of why he's uh, an important artist, um, why his films are vital. And um, I, I would also encourage everybody to check out some of the other stuff that's streaming for free on the Criterion Channel. Yeah. It's uh, literally the least we can do yep. to yeah. start talking about artists of color. And I I imagine it's just because we are two white guys that are very comfortable talking about white art that we haven't covered more artists of color. I mean, we obviously have a lot to learn. And it, it, it would be foolish for us not to cover these lesser-known black filmmakers Mm-hmm. Um, that are far and away more talented and original than people like uh, Nick Cassavetes. <laughs> Nick Cassavetes. And I mean, mm-hmm. there are just so many unsung black artists that I, that we're going to dedicate the show to covering for the foreseeable future. Go ahead. <laughs> We've talked before about like just completely useless. I mean, it's part of a larger conversation about just like forgetting useful information or remembering just the most like inane, asinine bullshit. But like mm-hmm. we've talked before about like looking into the void, like Satan reaching out his arm. Like I, my my brain is complete fucking soup. And like what I'll remember after I've forgotten like my own fucking name is stuff like yes, young thug tweeting about smoking yeah, yeah, penises yeah. and Amy Klobuchar saying, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard, you know, stuff like that. Oh, uh, Remember, we've maybe talked about this before, but in The Sopranos, it's definitely like season one, I think, when Janice is yelling at Tony and she says like, you know, you haven't changed one iota since we grew up, one iota. Now, who in your right mind, who, who in their right mind is using the word iota in a, mm-hmm. in a casual mm-hmm. conversation? Least of all is like having it come to mind in some sort of like spat with a sibling. Have you ever heard someone say iota? Uh, I literally, I, I remember learning that in like middle school as a vocab I, word. My mom I I had that on my calendar. My mom would say eons a lot. Eons, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I uh, haven't seen her in eons. <laughs> and that um, that was one thing that like that, and I remember contingency being a word that like is is it only my mom that says that? Uh huh. My parents thankfully don't have either of those. I mean, like any other people over the age of like 40 they repeat the same like stories over and over again but they don't my parents don't really have like annoying phrases that they fall back on not like me Um, (laughs) you literally a fucking clanging (laughs) little rhesus monkey i take that back because i think as we talked about in the woman under the influence episode like one of the things i inherited from my mother in addition to you know depression and substance abuse and a lot of like really great <laughs> stuff is um a tendency Aww. to like speak in phrases that mean nothing to like anybody else and like mm. constantly do shtick mm-hmm. she is someone who's actually given to like a fair amount of shtick and it often will drive my dad up a fucking wall <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that guy likes his peace and quiet. Imagine, imagine having me in one ear and my mom in the other. Meanwhile, Carter is Carter's fucking bongo twirling his lacrosse like... stick around like a, <laughs> like a cane. That's right. something he would really do. Often oh. ass naked. <laughs> Was he want to walk around nude? Oh yeah, loved it. We just like get out naked <laughs> in the kitchen. And go like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> it's like a bit. Oh, it was a funny bit. That is so funny. He's that like seventeen. Really good. So that would never fly in my house. My dad would push me down the stairs if I did that. Uh, yeah, you guys, I mean, I, I, I thought of us growing. I mean, I thought of us initially in hindsight. When <laughs> so came, when funny. I, when, I, when I first, like, when I became, like, somewhat self-aware, I guess, at, like, I don't know, like, 14, and you become aware of, like, perspectives outside of your own and, like, experiences right. other than your own. 
I um I my perception of us was that we were like fairly conservative because like Fox News was on, but yeah, no, I think a lot of the grabastic shit that flew in our house probably would not have gone in, <laughs> in, gone over well in your house. Was, Although like my dad, t- my dad must Francisco. like wake up in a cold sweat sometime, like thinking sometimes just thinking about like how he somehow gave birth to like me and Carter, right? Um, <laughs> a, a masculine fella, and and Carter and I are I don't know a, a different breed, I would say. I feel like you you maybe in like the. 30s having a kid you could count on the world not changing that much where you had them and it'd be like all right it seems like you kind of get it i don't really have to do much raising anymore like you'll just drink a lot of milk and have like breasts like a woman um and that's basically the only thing i have to worry about whereas now you can basically count on your kid disappointing you at age like four and just being irreparably damaged um I, yeah i can't imagine um it's 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 hardly a unique observation but the very idea of my kid like clicking not that i'm ever gonna have children good god no i would sooner chemically castrate myself but the idea of like my kid clicking and clacking around on an ipad is so like dystopian Aww. to me i don't know i know and it's it's weird that you have to like i'm i'm gonna stop talking because i was about to just like earnestly start talking about kids with ipads and i really don't think that's my place i don't know i just can't imagine like we we talked about this, I think, on, like, the Zathura episode. Like, think about how much social media and, like, inter- internet pornography warped your brain right. in, like, the... In, what, like, the 15 years we've had access to both? Uh-huh. Imagine having that at your fingertips from the second you're born, technically. The second you're, like, you know, like... The second you've got fingers to click, you know? You could really yeah. be... And you could be any, shitposting. Any par- parental lock that you try to create or that is in like you know at your hands at some point just immediately circumvented thank god my parents never bothered any of that shit my like, parents did i'm remembering did. that right now they did and then i remember like i had to do something on the computer in a pinch and i'm i was like well i don't know the password i can't do this and my mom was like it's fucking password one <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Real Rap. After a long break, uh, Bennett suffered a pill addiction, which I have rescued him from, and I started, um, what's the safe thing to say these days? What's the uh, safe joke? Keto? I don't know. I've it's fun to make fun of diets that are related to eating disorders for men. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like any diet's kind of an eating disorder. I feel like the Mediterranean diet. You're not making any. Uh, you're not making any concessions. Uh-huh. You're just kind of adapting to like the beach lifestyle. It's really just kind of like a way of life. Yeah, I've been trying to keep it. <laughs> I've been trying to keep it Mediterranean lately. I got. I love the Med diet. Gorged at the uh, 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 protest last Saturday. I, I realized I haven't been sunburned in probably like five years because I never fucking go outside. Yeah. I was like, God, I forgot how much this hurts. Like trying to sleep, showering. I'm like ah. I um. When I, I put like tons of sunscreen on and um, got a nice, still got a nice little bit of color, mm-hmm. which um, shouts out to the people at the sunscreen factory. You can still get a little bit of color, but then I looked at just my body in the mirror recently and I was like, oh my god, I'm like a fucking apparition. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you remember that line from <laughs> Freaky Friday that was, of course, ruined in the trailer <laughs> when Jamie Lee Curtis, um, who at this point is Lindsay Lohan in Jamie Lee Curtis's body, goes, oh, I'm like the Crypt Keeper! I often look at myself oh. in the mirror and feel like that. Dave, at the time, I, the first time I took 2-5-I and I was looking at myself in our dorm room bathroom and it, lo- it was looking like I was like getting pregnant and you could see like hands like, pressing <laughs> oh, out of my stomach. It was the most... I, I, it, was the, oh, it freaked me the fuck out. That and my roommate disturbing. Jose was like, Bennett, you're right. I was like, man, I'm high as fuck. <laughs> I'm not all right. I was like, I had well, really... it's one word for it. I was with somebody doing acid for the first time, and I had a really, like, tender moment of just, you know, kind of doing drugs and, like, seeing somebody's reaction for the first time. And they were, like, looking in the mirror for a bit. And we're like oh and then i like walked by and i was like oh yeah like the mirror don't look into it it's fucking creepy and they were like oh shit is that like a thing i was like yeah it's a thing you're like yeah it's weird it's like that episode of Mad Men where uh uh as if i don't know the name and the probably the episode number i'm pretty sure it's mm-hmm. season six episode five far away places right. when uh rogers taking acid <laughs> with jane and he looks in the mirror and the guy goes don't look in the mirror and he goes i already looked uh it's good stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, man, oh man. Speaking of I mirrors. I forgot about that development. It's, it's a, a um, mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. Welcome to the fun house. Yeah, That's this um, episode of Real Rap. Sorry, folks, for the funhouse atmosphere here. We have uh, we've not been on uh, on the mics for for a while, and we're talking about a real funhouse of a movie, uh, a movie I'll often call my favorite movie. I one time, I don't know if we've talked about this on mic. I one time in a job interview made the mistake of telling the interviewer that this was my favorite movie, and then tried to explain what it's about. <laughs> oh, I told I, I I told the story to Annie today. And uh-huh. she was like, "Oh, uh-huh. I was like, Bennett, all you gotta say is I think Greta Ger- Gerwig is uh, the revolutionary." And I, that's I think it. like Lady Bird's gonna be my new answer because I watched that the other weekend and I was like, "Here's a nice, safe, like it's, it's just good, it's agreeable just good. answer. Everybody likes it. I'm pretty sure it's got like a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's a nice, safe answer." Uh huh. What's your what What are some others that you, that are safe answers? Um, that I like, that I like, that are like safe answers. Um, mm. Nashville is one I'll often say. Oh, okay, that's kind that's... of hard to explain too. Yeah, that one's um, a little bit out there. Makes you sound a little, a little pretentious. Um, easy pieces. I'd often say Talk Zodiac, that. but that kind of makes you sound like a creep mm. or like a film bro. Um, yeah, it's it almost it's like the it's like the wor- to some people that's probably the worst version of like film guy behavior. Well, well, see, Not that see, people I... are really involved. I think it's like the best favorite movie a dorm room movie poster guy can have, you know? That's true. And I guess I'm wary of presenting myself as that sort of a guy. I don't know. When I was a kid, I used to always say Rocky. And I've been thinking about just going back to saying that, just really getting into my Philly roots. Um, I was um, I was in – I was like traveling abroad and when I was um, – what, what is it called when you're in your – I don't know, my salad days – uh-huh. And there's this guy. I I was like a a college dorm room movie guy and didn't just had no understanding. Still are really. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and speaking of, I gotta get my. Um. Speaking of, I gotta get my. My Django my Django poster retaped. Ah yes. Um. The there was a guy on a on a bus with me and he was like an american guy i was like oh you, what do you do he's like oh i'm a filmmaker i was like oh cool i like movies um like have you seen like what have you seen what are your favorites he's like uh well i'm shooting this like thai uh, this uh documentary in thailand i'm just kind of i'm going to school there and i'm just learning about like films in thailand and i was like any favorites he's like just like a lot of movies in thailand and i was like have you ever seen like Goodfellas? He's like, <laughs> no. And I was like, I mean... really? You never seen? And then I named another one. And it's just like he was obviously just like, no, man, I don't really want to talk to you. Uh-huh. I mean, on the subject of Goodfellas, um, the King of Comedy and Raging Bull have been two popular answers for me over the years. Um, mm-hmm. The Third Man, although when That's you say a like one. a black and white movie or like an old movie, people think you're pretentious right. too. Yeah. Uh, even though The like, Third Man's, like, on fucking Netflix. Like, anybody could watch that today. And you know what? They like it, too. You're going to watch this Third Man, and you're going to like it, okay? You know, you've heard of um, the First Lady. You've heard of uh, the runner-up. You've but... heard of Friday After Next. <laughs> but, uh... I discovered, um... I... I, f- I finally went back to that best of um, John Favreau and li- and started seeking out some of the artists that Ethan r- rattles off at the beginning. Uh-huh. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh-huh. That is the funniest Cash. thing that's ever happened on Real Rap. Um, oh, my God. The two best like things, the the episode uh-huh. with, with, with he and Emily and, uh, and Kelsey and Lauren and that voicemail don't involve us. Um, yes. Ethan should host the podcast. Like he's born for it. Like the mic work in that home Absolutely. episode. When he's talking about like his first library and his last library because he wants to get hit by a stone teenager walking to McCaffrey's. Like, <laughs> mm. like and it's always... a highly specific joke that works. You know, like better if you're from Lower <laughs> Mayfield, but it's also just like a funny bit. I don't know. Uh-huh. And he does <laughs> stone and teenager. He's he's not like me where I finish a joke and immediately start laughing very uh-huh. loud at it. He'll oh, just yeah. it's just the dead. Just he didn't laugh at any of his own jokes in that. Whereas if that were you and I, 
just fucking draining jump shots like that. Wouldn't just be able throwing to throwing heat to the catcher. Yeah. We would be uh-huh. giggling like little fucking <laughs> school children. Yeah. I mean, we are now. I can't like, believe how jokes. funny we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of these episodes devolve into us like slapping ourselves on the back pretty quickly. Right. Right, folks. If you if you ever heard an unedited episode of Real Rap where where we keep in all of like the self congratulation, good God, <laughs> you'd be in a hospital bed. Hey, hey, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Um, but you know, you I say bed, but you don't want to sleep on this movie we're talking about today, Bennett. What's it called? You already said the name, but say it again. Oh no, I didn't say the name. I just I just mentioned that I mentioned it in a job interview. It's called Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Take one. Now, even having said the name, someone says that that's their favorite movie in an interview. I think you know what pile you're tossing. You're firing. Yeah, get out of here. I think a toilet is flushing. Uh, You're you're making a (laughs) toilet flush sound effect in your head. Yeah. Oh, and let me let me try to explain really quickly what this movie's all about, uh, since it's a movie really like no other. Uh, So Mm -hmm. William Greaves, who uh, was an a a, an American actor, uh, director, editor, um, producer, dancer, uh, kind of jack of all trades, mostly worked in Canada, um, had this idea to jack off all write trades. a, a dr- jack off of all trades you know I, did i tell you i've been driving <laughs> my car again lately and let's just say uh, you've been they driving pump- <laughs> yeah yeah off ramp they should call it a pumping off ramp uh oh, no i've not my. been driving shane i will literally never drive again and i've made that same joke on this podcast and you fell for it again hook line and sinker <laughs> um, shut up <laughs> oh uh made a lot of stuff for canadian tv made stuff for like pbs but uh so he had this idea to write a like a really shitty script and get a ton of people to enact a scenario. Initially, his plan was to do like multiple takes of symbiopsychotaxoplasm, which is why in the very beginning of this film, you see a couple of couples acting out the scenario. And a few mm-hmm. times throughout, you see a few more. Um, like One of them was supposed to be like a musical. Uh, but he, he, he got all of these couples, um, people he knew from like the actor studio, to act out this script that he'd written. And the whole bit was, it was really bad. He knew it was really bad. And he was going to intentionally perform the role of shitty director. <laughs> and he wanted to see if his crew would catch wind of the scheme and start to rebel against him. And they do kind of start to like comment like derisively to him and wonder aloud as they're like shooting things. Oh, and he also was documenting the crew as they're shooting these scenarios. So they do start to like wonder aloud to themselves, but after like four days, they started to in secret document themselves having these like nocturnal meetings where they all wonder aloud in like a circle, like, okay, like what the fuck is going on? Like we all know Bill. He's smarter than this. What is what, you know, what is he doing? And he, I think, like, they finished this, and he thought this experiment had been a failure, and then a couple of the people we see gave him this stuff that they had filmed, and he edited it together into this. And it was never screened in theaters. I don't know if it was screened at all until 1992 at the Sundance Film Festival. Oh, um, damn. People uh, among them, Steven Soderbergh, Steve Buscemi, saw it, uh, became huge fans, um, got, gave it the, the release it deserves, uh, deserved uh, and you know still deserves and uh, also he shot a sequel uh, Symbiote Psychotaxoplasm two and a half uh, which I haven't seen but uh, would like to and maybe I should have before uh, we we I guess do it's probably going to be the definitive William Greaves episode of Real Rap since I don't know if we want to do <laughs> episodes on like TV documentaries but <laughs> <laughs> oh and I saw this movie in Scott McDonald's uh, intro class and then in his oh really class it's probably my damn favorite. he never misses that guy. No, he don't miss. Well, uh, he did miss in the sense that he uh, picked uh, my arch nemesis to be like our TA in like the text of film class. That's true. Then let the me one whiff the of his career that'll end <laughs> yeah. it all. This documentary uh, about a documentary, uh-huh. documenting a documentary about a documentary, all in the attempt of creating and capturing the reality um, on film, does you know makes you think. Is there a camera rolling right now? The answer would be yes, because we're on a Zoom call. Um, so this was your second time seeing the film. Uh, what'd you think? You know, it's called Tembio Tycho Taco Taxoplasm Part Take One. For me, it's going to be Take Two, because it's my second time watching it, like you said. Ah. That's as far as I got. <laughs> um. uh, I... I it didn't i think back when i watched it the first time the i was really much more intrigued by the uh the the revolting filmmakers who are like you know this is actually like the crystal image and i think that you know if we want to get into layers of reality we really got to think about 
the intention behind the, the maniac, the man, the myth. Um, and they're like kind of waxing. Uh-huh. Um, but this time I'm really like, William Greaves is just so funny and such a dang goofball for like, uh-huh. a- he's acting like such a, um, I, like you said, like a bad director. Like he doesn't ever, um, make things. He doesn't seem to intentionally be leaving things unclear. It's just that the d- directions he gives are so useless. Uh-huh. He's like, he'll give these like vague and contradictory directions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Asking oh. the camera people to like point all in different directions. My favorite part this time was definitely seeing how fucking annoying everyone on set eventually gets and uh-huh. like how they all start having opinions. It's like, oh, uh, this is like the worst part of making movies in college with professional actors was them having an opinion about like uh-huh. what a bunch of college kids are doing. It's like, listen, mm-hmm. you an actor telling the director like, well, this is never going to work like this. And like, mm-hmm. you know basically an actor who just works for free for like years and years and years and years and in like the shittiest movies and is a shitty actor just telling it like it is Uh. that's what i loved seeing the main guy in this like pull william greaves aside and be like this fucking bitch like uh-huh. Hate, hate he's talking him. about like wanting yeah. to pull his dick out oh and he's talking he's got that bit where he's like now so you want the guy to be like a closet case but i don't know how how gay do i play it do i be one of those guys who goes like hey, so son I... of a bitch like yeah 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 <laughs> it's so like, good whoa what he's how he's, are you gonna play it <laughs> he's pulling from this like file cabinet full of like fuck what's a, a gay guy like guy in 1968's references i was like whoa <laughs> Yeah, it was, and also, like, he weirdly alludes at one point, like, listen, I've tried this stuff. He says something like that, like that, like, I've been there or something. Um, but then he he's like, but but should I be, like, a sissy boy? Like, you know, I'm a... Like, just the weirdest impression of a gay <laughs> person. like, a Baltimore accent. Um, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> and then name drops one of their like closeted friends and they have to like bleep it out in the movie oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wild stuff mm-hmm. um yeah i um scott published a book um that's like a text and film book that's like all of like the it's it's the text from a bunch of like text specific films and though this isn't like a text heavy film he, he included in this book like william greaves is like original notes um from like the making of this um which is like, i remember being such interesting stuff it's one of those examples where i Damn. sold that book back to like bell tower for like a fucking dollar uh, as the as the homeless guy at the end of this movie would say a fucking penis of a dollar i, <laughs> <laughs> I sold this book full of like priceless shit back to yeah um but he he talks about he talks a lot about like his relationship with that actor and how he was like really trying to get him back to like how he like knew the guy was capable of being a good actor, but how he was also given to so many, like, ticks and shit that were so annoying in performances, and he was trying to get him to, like, get back to, like, something they'd seen during some, like, impromptu performance he'd given. Like, oh, uh, wow. he really thought all of this stuff out. Like, it's truly, like, people talk about Donald Trump playing four-dimensional chess. Uh, William uh-huh. Greaves was genuinely playing, like, five-dimensional chess in the directing <laughs> of this movie. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember if I said this before we started recording, but he, he should have won four Oscars. I mean, he should have won for editing, he should have won for directing, he should have won for mm-hmm. his lead performance, the best performance anyone's ever given in a movie. And uh, I guess, yeah, he wrote this too. And produced it. He should have won five Oscars. It should have been a clean That's fucking right. sweep for Symbio's Psychotaxoplasm. And best documentary! There you go! Uh... It definitely shows how, like, it reminded me so much of seeing people on, on set and how how just mm-hmm. just annoying it is and how chaotic it is. And it's, um, there's also another filmmaker type of person, which is, like, the guy that wants to make an art movie but basically wants everything to be, like, like he, tr- he's, you, you try to direct a movie that you want to be like a David Lynch movie, and you end up just speaking vaguely the entire time, and the actors have no idea what to do. And he somehow avoids that. Like he still seems to give like, I don't know, like guided direction to the to the actors in some way, and they're like eating it up so much. Mm-hmm. Well, he, um, it's it's like. He, it's it's like he's like a politician and he knows like how to say nothing but have it have this like bromide <laughs> effect like he can uh, offer these just sort of like 
these just like meaningless little nuggets that he knows the actors are gonna fucking like eat like like pigs at the trough you know <laughs> and the actors are so earnest about like they're so earnest it's like up. sad <laughs> it is sad the man and the woman they start getting really weird and the woman has like a like a kind of emotional uh you know uh she has to leave at one point because she's so like She's like, you know, this fucking sucks. Uh, she like storms off at one point. Does kind of like a we'll do it live. Um, you know what occurred to me? Because the the script that they're acting out is kind of like shitboy Cassavetes, and the central couple kind of like you could see them True. in faces. Um, it occurred they, to me he's Nick Cassavetes looks... in this movie. Oh, who? William Greaves is Nick Cassavetes. <laughs> <laughs> like he's badly directing bad Cassavetes. Right, you know, right? He just she has hair like Jenna it differently. Could you imagine if uh, Alpha Dog was like half off, half off the set, showing what's his name, like <laughs> talking to people with his eyes closed all the time because he wanted his pupils to be big? The guy that's like supposed to be on crack method acting. Oh, uh, Ben Foster, literally mm-hmm. like the new Sean Penn, and I don't mean that in a good way. I, I, I maybe I shouldn't say that because that implies like a lot of like checkered shit in his personal life. Sean Penn, in terms of like the needless <laughs> intensity he brings to every role, and like the annoying like theater kid energy of of the whole endeavor. Um, <laughs> and I say that as I, I say that as, a, as someone who all I ever wanted in my life, you know, how Henry Hill wanted to be a gangster, Shane. All I ever wanted in my life was to be a theater kid. So <laughs> I feel like I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Me too, kind of. Um the well you know ben we are born performers so it's kind of in our, mm, yeah, it's in our in my blood. blood yeah, yeah. <laughs> from a long line of entertainers it's in my taps uh i got taps installed on my um my slippers um that's a movie i'd like to watch that i've never seen and i feel like it's only notable because i think sean penn's in it like sean what? penn tom cruise taps um, it used to always come up in the original version of Seen It. Like, you know how, remember Seen It? Oh my like, God. The DVD board game? And you know how, like, it was drawing like that's a game from that the probably... same, like, 12 movies? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I feel like that's Taps a game that really pissed you off. Um, well, it was fun to play when, like, you knew what answers were going to come up. And you could, like, yeah, before yeah. it came up. Right, like, you okay, just, it's going to be Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, um, I, I was drawn, it. The, during this viewing of the movie to the like I thought it I thought th- this movie was obviously created in like the editing room and there was probably you know like they say in the movie a million ways to edit it and it remains pretty like pretty tightly edited even though it was probably a fucking mess of footage of sound um it 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 holds up there's some cuts that are like really funny like they'll they'll cut from all the people talking and like coming up with all these crazy ideas and then cut to like the actual actors performing mm-hmm. a scene being like this is just marvelous and i was like ah uh, editing movie magic yeah there's a couple like uh, visual jokes and stuff like in the very beginning i think during like the opening credits there's like a couple like making out a couple getting like a little handsy for like the middle of the day in oh, public yeah. and then like a couple yeah. with a baby um uh-huh. a couple like cuts uh-huh. like that um <laughs> The I... the most striking scene to me was the when they're talking on the bridge, the actors and they're playing the scenes, and then you know instead of cutting, we'll just get the long cut in between doing like this really intense scene that's like admittedly, you know I don't want to say it's bad, but it's like really overacted I guess. Uh-huh. But um and then it's immediately after them all reacting to it, the director getting involved. It's like. I don't know, it kind of lets guys like us just kind of, like, see what this movie set is like, see what a director does, and then you really get these, like, moments of, um, there was a specific moment where the the guy, the male actor, is being too quippy, and William Greaves has to tell him, like, listen, man, I'm trying to make a movie here, and he has this <laughs> moment of, like, kind of shame kind of like well i'm still the actor guy kind of like this is still my show and like he doesn't know what to say he kind of he pulls a pack of cigarettes out of one pocket and puts it in the other pocket i'm like Uh shit that is a little nuanced unique moment that i wouldn't have ever been able to see um i really liked and i remember writing about this i would never i i I really shudder to think about reading anything i wrote in college and like it's the one good thing about my old computer dying is that like (laughs) choice again but i Uh would like to see what i wrote about symbiopsychotaxoplasm and one thing i remember writing about is um um one of the things this movie captures is everyone's um tendency 
when they're on camera and especially when they're in like a setting like this sort of like um clandestine meetings we see them having where they're all kind of like philosophizing everyone's tendency to just really play like armchair psychologist and to like mm. stroke their egos and like how they talk um i think his name is robert rosenberg the guy with the mustache and the glasses um has this annoying habit of always going you know you know he has this like kind of like affected accent when uh-huh. he says it too um, uh-huh. you know you know like um <laughs> He, to this day, maintains that Greaves did not know what he was doing. It was like, I, bullshit. I think this was, uh, I think funny. this was completely like him, like after the fact, being like, what, a, what an interesting way to piece this together. Um, well, I mean, you know, whether or not he had the the idea, he seemed to have a pure intention, like dur- like during the scenes he's in in the movie. Oh and yeah, he yeah. had the wonderful idea to. If if it were me, I would have never looked at this footage again. I would say this is a fucking mess. If if I were him, and I said this doesn't make any sense. And he he didn't know actually what was going on. I'd be like, I am never touching that footage. But he had the fucking wherewithal to go back to it and like you know t- seriously try to consider like, well, what what is the movie here? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I just think it's a really magical it's a really magical work of editing that would take some serious fucking bravery to make. Yeah, and um, I, no no disrespect to Robert Rosenberg. Um, he he becomes kind of like the de facto leader of like the crew throughout these conversations. Um, seems to be he seems to I don't know maybe have like appointed himself in charge of like trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. And there are a lot of different theories, um, mm. um, and people feel differently about having these meetings in the first place. And one wonders okay. if attendance was mandatory because like the hot sound woman says that she thinks it's like a betrayal. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. there's the two, I, the, the one guy like just thinks it's like bullshit. He's like, no, I think he's just like a bad director. And you can right. tell like a bunch of people, including like Rosenberg come to like Greaves' defense. Like, well, we've seen him direct. And I was, what I was talking about before we came on, Mike, I think my favorite scene in any movie ever is when Rosenberg does the impression of Greaves going like, oh yes, marvelous. What you did there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, is that so Jonathan? Oh, okay. Rosenberg. I thought you said Rosenbaum. No, no, no. He kind of looks like Jason Schwartzman, though. And he I does. looked at a picture of him now. He looks like Paul Schrader. It's weird. He's annoying. Uh, he's kind of annoying in this movie. Uh, as is the guy who kind of sounds like Marlon Brando, who keeps throwing that around like the That guy got F-bomb. really weird. Yeah, he uh, he got a little intense. I think the like the the mutiny kind of thing. I really appreciated that William Greaves is then sitting in on the little meetings that they have, and he's really supportive. He's like the daytime meetings, yeah, where they're yeah. clearly also like bringing up like Bill, what the fuck are you doing? And then after that, they all get a little bit like nippy. They're all kind of kind of telling him what to do, how it should go. I love uh, Greaves's mesh green top, and the only yeah, comment that uh-huh. was going to be made out of it is lost on the audio. Um, I, what do you mean? Um, you don't, you hear someone there's comments a, There's a it. moment where the female actor is like picking at it and she says something about like his and shirt and, it. It, and the audio cuts out. Yeah. It is such a fucking weird shirt. And I've, there's like not a day that's gone by since the first time I've seen this where I'm like, God, what an odd look. It's what like this out. green mesh. He's got like slacks um, and like a party boy top on. <laughs> and that's also, one assumes they were shooting this over... I mean, we know that the crew starts meeting every four time. days. He wears it every day. It's like he's like a cartoon character wearing like, like yeah. the outfit that his closet is full yeah. of. Yeah, um, which yeah, I don't so know. Funny. It makes it seem like he's like an artist. He's like a true, which obviously he is. But it seeing seeing the artist in action is it's fun because he's obviously well, like a guy his... that he likes a performance. Well, yeah, and like his actors, he's showing up to play a role. So I'm just gonna turn my light on really quick. Yeah. There's, there's also just such, it's just such a great picture of like New York. Like I, I, I watched this and I watched like one of the movies that Spike Lee has made in quarantine. This like I love New York, just kind of like montage thing yesterday. I was just crying my little eyes out thinking about how much I miss New Aww. York. Yeah, um, you are an such NY a, boy. I really am, even though I, I, I can't help but associate the city with nothing but just like abject failure. Um, mm-hmm. I went to William Greaves's, um, they did like a memorial service for him when he died, actually, and I went Aww. to it with uh, Pat O'Neill when I was in New York for the, the Hamilton program, and uh-huh. I, I'll never know if Steve Bashimi was really there or if he was going to talk through a video address, because we left, because uh, it was getting like really late, and we were like, I guess this is like really just kind of like more of like a family and friends thing. Uh- <laughs> 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 I mean, it was at like the, so I think it's called like the Shamba, I, 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 I can't remember the name, it's, I mean, it was at that one, um, 
I think it's affiliated with the New York Public Library in Harlem, uh, that, that big like art center. So I mean, it was like a public thing, but I don't know. It did sort of start to feel awkward when like the eighth like family member was giving like a tearful like eulogy, and we were just kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know, feel, like, <laughs> feel a little bit like we're we're just like uh, I don't know, like spectators, just like um, hands in your pockets. Oh, but yeah, no. I, Steve Buscemi was on the schedule of of speakers. We no saw Sidney Poitier, but he spoke in, uh, he spoke like, via video. He was not there himself. I think he's like ninety four. Cool. But I, I, a note from Greaves' biography is actually it was when he was first an actor. He was an actor in the early days of the actor studio, and was for a time before he quit acting in the fifties. Was like competing with Sidney Poitier and uh, Harry Belafonte for like a lot of the same roles. Um, wow was really, you know, a, a, a star of the actor Studio. And I think the actor Studio has, like, a Hall of Fame, I remember Scott saying, and he was kind of like an inaugural inductee alongside your, uh, your, your Lee Strasbergs and Jane Fonda's and Marlon Brando's, like, are kind of famous people to come out of there. It's weird because he's, he's like, most known for this movie. Uh-huh. Right. And he's, like, relatively obscure. Like, when I Googled... I tried to, like, Google the memorial to see if I could find out if Steve Buscemi really spoke. And um, I don't think... Will Bill, Bill Greaves was um, uh, I don't think he got an obituary in the Times I mean, despite making what for me is like a definitive New York movie and right. despite being a guy with a huge body of work um, his affiliation with the actor studio alone I don't know is, is enough to make him a notable person yeah I mean far stupider far stupider people have gotten their NYTO bit right I mean I'm probably going to get one for this podcast you will too <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it just gets so much like um, great, like kind of like local flavor. Um, there's one instance where they talk to like a cop at one point, and I can't remember what he says as the cop is walking away. But he's just like, "You stupid motherfucker!" It's just like giving <laughs> the cop shit as he's like walking away, which is great. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, like um, saying how the movie's called like Over the Cliff. Uh huh. Like, yeah, we're, we're calling still it Over the Cliff. The cliff. <laughs> oh, and he goes like, "Who's going over the cliff?" And he's like, "All of us, baby," <laughs> or something like that. Could be anyone. We're gonna see. So there was talk of like what the the like mission statement of this movie was. I don't think it was ever explicitly stated. Did you were you able to read that? Uh, Greaves writes about that in the text that was in Scott's book, and I think he basically just wanted it to be, um, I don't know, a, a subversion of everything we, we we sort of take for granted about the structure of the film. I remember mm. Scott saying he had likened it very literally to jazz, and there's a Miles Davis sort of score throughout. Uh, I think it's yeah. in a silent way, right? Um, I don't know. It was uh, it did you compared it to John Cassavetes earlier, and I found the the main lady who's acting looks like the woman from Faces. I don't know if it was uh-huh. that lady. I mean, she has hair, kind of like Jenna Rollins, and um, obviously, I mean, it's it's not contemporary. Faces, um, I meant uh, no Faces. Shh. That's right, Faces. Um, and it's the I mean, what? it's contemporary with those those um those Cassavetes movies the, the, the sort of like peak era so it makes sense mm-hmm. that they would be dressed like Cassavetes characters but it is very much like a conversation you could see the characters and faces have a more Not... I, I, I a more poorly realized one but yeah um shadows no no it is faces I'm thinking of the wife of uh uh Freddie Draper or not Freddie Draper, yes. the, the other guy. the Freddie yeah, Draper's yeah. co-worker who looks about 40 years older than him, who he apparently uh-huh. was on <laughs> And who was in real yeah, life, I think, like he's... 27 years older. Although, I, I mind that's <laughs> less and less, like, not to be the CinemaSins guy. I, I or to In real life, I'm finding myself not being the CinemaSins guy. Like, I watched the new Spike Lee movie today, um, The Five Bloods, and uh-huh. there's, like, flashbacks to when they were in Vietnam, and they don't de-age them at all. It's these four, like, 70-year-old dudes <laughs> and Chadwick Boseman, who was also, like, way too old to be in Vietnam. He's, like, 40. But they don't uh-huh. even degrade their, like, beards and hair. <laughs> they have, like, <laughs> white beards and hair. It's, and I don't know, I think it kind of, like, adds something. The same way that That's... those, like, weird robotic movements of, like, Robert De Niro added something to, like, the, the memory play of uh, the Irishman. True. You know, uh, George W. Bush draft dodger. Yeah, Dad yeah. Dad got he him into in the, the Air National Force. Guard. <laughs> It, no, it the caused... Texas Air National Guard. Uh, really? Was he? Was yeah, that what it, yeah. what it was? And he's in um, the Kiss Army as well. He uh, he <laughs> he couldn't couldn't fly a plane. That bastard. He got training for like a year. Never was able to. Um, Ted, you know, and and the 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 ROTC heads out. People in ROTC are gonna love this one. The people listening. Um. 
uh, is that he had to do four passes one time in order to land a uh, two-seater jet. Can you believe Ooh. that, Bennett? Yeah, our aviation heads will uh, recognize that as a yeah. real whiff there, whiff, folks. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Well, ew. I'm reading Dynasty or Family of Secrets by Russ Baker, and uh, uh, so you'll be hearing a lot more about that. You ever read a Kindle book and you have no idea how long it is? It just seems like it goes on forever. Um. See, I'm the sort of person I I I'm like oh, like obsessively looking at like where I am in the book. I don't know. Yeah. I'm such like an antsy person, and I think it's it's part of like the just like the fundamentally like off relationship I have with art, where like it's just all about consumption. Just to me. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same as like it's the same as like eating a like an entire pizza in one sitting for me. Right, you know, it's right, like well, I just right. have has, to do it. I bought it. Right. Has nothing to do with the history, <laughs> the craft of pizza making. It's I'm just, not trying to appreciate it really. I'm, I'm not I comparing it to other down. pizzas I've had. Uh-huh. It's just how can I quickly like get my money's worth here? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, no, well, I try to be a little bit thoughtful, I guess, with like every like third piece of art I consume. Yeah, in general, it's mm, just. Uh, I thought you were going to say with pizza, like you'll oh, you'll no. pause and say maron every couple. No, of maron every third slice, I go. Mm, yeah. uh, now this is a good hell. slice. I'm a fucking Mia. When you got a good slice, you don't got to say anything. Hey, what do you think Tony it's Soprano all... would think about this podcast? Because we know how we felt about Proust. <laughs> it all sounds very gay. How would he feel about real rap? Probably wouldn't like it. Um, I feel like, well, I don't know. The, the Tony Soprano or James Gandolfini? Um, ooh. I think James Tony's... Gandolfini would be like, it's an interesting thing. Okay. I think he maybe appreciate Never... it, yeah. I feel like he could put, making, like, him putting on headphones for the first time was probably really bewildering, and he said, I'm never doing that again. Putting on, like, big cans. Yeah, that'd be funny. Right. <laughs> He's a, he'd be a funny guy to see wearing, like, big cans, actually, yeah. He'd also be a funny guy to imagine with big cans. But, uh, <laughs> RIP, you don't have to imagine that. I, um, um, Tony Soprano, the character, though, I think would probably not like it. I don't think he would really like podcasts. Uh, well, yeah, no. I think he'd probably like, like, true crime podcasts and stuff. I mean, he likes content. It would be like guy. they would have to hear the news about the, like, family through, like, a fucking indie podcast. Uh-huh. You hear the shit they're saying about us, about our thing? About our little operation, or whatever we call yeah. this operation of ours? Yeah. You, as, as Ivor Glass <laughs> said on fucking Cool Breeze today? Imagine, like, Sarah Koenig doing an episode about, like, um, like, Tony big Soprano. pussy going missing. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I thought to myself... Is pussy at, in the bottom of the sea? Is pussy is he, eating at is a coral reef? At a coral reef with the fishes swimming. What? With What's that smell? <laughs> do, do. <laughs> do, do. Was I just getting mesmerized by Tony Soprano's eyes? <laughs> was I mesmerized <was> <laughs> by? Well, I did was... you ever listen to Serial? Did you ever actually listen to that? Because I, I bet it hasn't aged season. well. <laughs> uh, the first season's probably very bad now. Yeah. Seeing as Adnan Syed probably did it. I know there's that HBO documentary positing that he probably did it, um, and I know there's several podcasts that I remember listening, quickly... and I'm like, "Where's the smoking gun, lady?" Because it seems like you're just kind of probing. Uh huh. Well, that's kind of why I didn't like it because I remember it not feeling like there was really any like sequence to the way she was telling the story. It felt just more like you know, it was just episodic, um, yeah. And it was like, "All right, well, I guess we'll do it on uh, where they drove their car." Episodic in like the, the most literal sense, though. You know what I mean? Like without even like a. It's called serial, no but didn't feel like there was right. any serialization. Really, there's no old school kind <laughs> yeah. of like slide whistle. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's, it's been a while, but no, I, I remember listening and being like, it felt like a documentary that like they didn't get their wow ending. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Although I know, there's often something to be said for that. You know, I often wonder if if we got to see the original version of Zero Dark Thirty, what that would have been like. Catherine Bigelow Did you was see originally... that shit is back up. It's, like, on the front page of fucking Amazon as just, like, something to watch. i say one of the more overrated movies, I think, to me. Um, yeah. I just think it's, like, so... Eh. So boring! Like, it's, like, stars. what a kid would watch if they're, like, I gotta watch an adult show. Because um, originally the plan for that movie was to have it basically just be, like, Zodiac with Osama Bin Laden. Like, it just ends with them, like, not getting him. And, like, would I don't know. Would have been cool. That I'd watch, you know? Yeah. Just, like, I don't... the mental tolls taken on people and stuff. Uh, Bennett. William Graves, do we have any, uh, have you seen part two and a half? And I, uh, no, he must have no. been the original guy that did two and a half. Or maybe uh, Lion King this, did two and a half. I, I think the Lion King two and a half predates it, because I think two and a half didn't come out until like 2012. I feel like pretty late in mm-hmm. his life. I think with the help of Steve Buscemi, interestingly enough. Um, 
I think maybe even a credited co-director um, on the film. Um, in part I, two? Yeah, on two and a half, I think, yeah. And I know, from what I understand, two and a half focuses on another one of the couples we see. Um, mm, in the right at the end, yeah. So I think I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I think it's maybe the couple we see singing the lines. Um, mm, that was a great, great moment. Yeah. Everyone's um, like, watching him like try to direct that. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. like, Jesus Christ! That's when you see the crew. The crew is just like openly disdainful. They're just fucking yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, um, the the whole interaction with um, the homeless veteran um, mm-hmm. who sleeps in the park that got like evicted from his apartment um, and like the painter is is so so good. We we already talked about when he talks about a penis of a dollar. When he says <laughs> that one line like, um, "I got a name so fucking long you wouldn't believe," <laughs> when he's signing <laughs> the release. <laughs> Yeah, he starts getting really funny when they all get on board with the joke, but before when they're all kind of ignoring him, it's interesting to see how this, like, because, I mean, you know this feeling, homeless guy or person experiencing homelessness comes up to you, starts chatting, and you kind of, one person in the group either decides to entertain them or everybody just kind of shun them, and I, you get that sense here that, like, people are kind of coalescing and then they like really embrace him and then it's like all right just start walking maybe he'll leave us alone <laughs> he's clearly like not gonna leave yeah right just um, talking about it was, it's a very like new york experience captured in real time yeah it's amazing and he's got some really funny weird fun things today like quintessential he's not like rambling exactly there are some he talks about rockefeller campaigning which uh-huh. i was like all right you're close you're getting there He's got some good, like, the rent is too damn high stuff that would still resonate, yeah. I think, with New Yorkers uh-huh. today, True. honestly. Yeah. I looked up his name. I tried to find his name, but I couldn't tell what the fuck he was saying. It's too uh, fucking long. Like, Can't type it paint, in the Google search bar. <laughs> Sleeping in the bushes. Uh, great movie. This is this is just such a fucking incredible movie. Everybody should watch it. Um, Criterion favorite. Channel has made it available for free. Um, if you like it, if you watch it and you really like it and maybe you're like interviewing for a job or maybe you're like talking to somebody <laughs> at like a new potential romantic partner for the first time, maybe you're like uh, going on a date, maybe as like quarantines are being lifted and you're starting to, starting to go on like in-person dates, if they ask what your favorite movie is, even if your favorite movie is Symbiocyclotaxoplasm, <laughs> take one. And even if you have someone who's so dedicated so to like, being honest it, with yourself yeah. that like you you feel like compelled to say it. You'll be sick with yourself for not being honest and saying that your favorite movie is Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Don't say it because I no. I'm not saying that answer is on, by itself what lost me this job. <laughs> which like fuck that job. It, I I I I now right. I, I, I right. look back in that and I go pooh tooey. Ew. Um, Suck my ass. It's it was it was one of many bad answers I gave, but um i think at that point i i think it was one of the definitive nails in the coffin like i there was no getting it back open once i started no, trying to explain yeah. what symbiopsychotaxoplasm is about folks it's like trying Don't to get it. toothpaste back in the tube exactly. try you it you can't unring you a bell folks <laughs> and with that we will see you next time when we talk about the report and that's a real wrap bye bye <laughs>